But we're going to kind of kick into a, a special uh, a, a series today. It's a four-part series. I wanted to do a textual series, but I had a lot of difficulty coming up with it. I wanted to talk uh, through the book of Galatians, and I wrestled, uh, as Phyllis can testify, for several weeks how to come up with this and how to deal with Galatians because the, the, what we call the book of Galatians is actually a letter written to a church. And it was written to discuss a very specific topic. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to break it down into a four-part series or a five-part series. And I decided, no, I don't want to do a verse-by-verse or a chapter-by-chapter teaching on the book. I think that has value, but I found it difficult to draw on, on the specific applications from doing that. And so what I wanted to do and what I want to strive to do over the next four weeks is to hit the overall theme of the book of Galatians. What, what Paul, his overriding lesson that he's trying to get across to this church. Now, when you start reading it, it, it becomes apparent, Paul, that, that, that there had been previous communication about what's going on in Galatia and with Paul. I mean, he starts off the book in chapter 1, and he's like, hey, this is Paul, I'm writing to you guys, how you doing, you're loved by God, yada, yada, yada. And then in verse 6, it's like, boom, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. I'm going, hello, okay. And then in chapter 2, verse 3, he just says, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. And you kind of go, where did that one come up from? We weren't even talking about getting circumcised. And then in chapter 3, verse 1, it, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And I feel like I've walked into the middle of a conversation. <laughs> and the truth is, is we have. When we get to the book of Galatians, we've kind of walked into the middle of a discussion. And that's why the Bible, even though it's not really, really hard to understand, there are times when you can't just run in, grab this one little verse and say, ah, oh, look, here's this verse, here's what it says. Because sometimes you're walking into the middle of a whole conversation. And you've got to look at it and say, okay, why is Paul writing this? Why is he saying it? What's he really trying to get across in what he's doing? And you've got to sometimes dig a little deeper into what was really happening. So here's what we got. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to just kind of introduce the overall theme and how that can apply to our lives and call us to make a decision based upon that theme. Now, Paul first went to the region known as Galatia. There's several different churches that he helped establish in that region. He did that on a second missionary journey. We find out about that in Acts chapter 16. A little bit later, he writes this letter. This is about the mid-80s, 50s. In the mid-50s, he's writing this, and it's more than likely writing it from Ephesus, which is right on the border of the region. So the church in Ephesus, it know, he knows what's going on in that region. And Ephesus was the cultural center of this whole region and area. And so people would come to Ephesus for many, many different reasons, but Paul would find out what was happening in all over the churches. And so he writes this letter to the churches in Galatia, and he's doing it directly 
and quite honestly, exclusively to deal with a problem in the church. And it came up with this term called Judaizers. It's it's, it's a made-up word. Your spell check will kick it right back out at you. But what it is, basically, it's, it's Christians who were Jewish, and they become Christians, but then they held on to this teaching that to really be a Christian, you've got to become Jewish and uphold all the Jewish laws and traditions, as well as Jesus and the apostles. And if you don't do that, then you're, you're really not a good Christian. And so, however we interpret Galatians, we've got to start by interpreting it through that lens, because that's what Paul's dealing with here. And if we can draw applications from principles that we find there to us, then amen. But that's why he's writing that. So that brings us to this series. Now the title of the series is, Identify Yourself. And this lesson specifically is called My Self-Identity. How you see yourself. Because Paul's trying to, what he's going to be dealing with in this entire book is how you see yourself, where you get your sense of self-worth and your sense of self-identity be it with Christ or Christ and all of these other things. Because we do a lot of things. We know that people say, you know, tell me about yourself. We talk, we talk talking about vocation, right? I'm a carpenter. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a parent. Or we identify ourselves by a, a, a race or, or, or you know, a, a skill. I'm a musician or, or something like that. But what we want to talk about, identifying yourself, goes much deeper than that. What I want to talk about is our sense of self-worth our sense of purpose. To answer the question, who am I? What's my purpose and what's my role in life? Now where and how we get our role or our idea of identity is very, very important because it affects how we interact with each other, the give and take and respond to each other, and how we respond to God and how we act and react with God. It affects how we live. So Paul's addressing, I believe, all of these issues of identity in Galatians. And it's seen in the key passage of the book, which is in chapter 3, verses 26 through 28, when Paul says, So in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. He's trying to get a point across that your identity's got to come from Jesus. Not, I'm Jesus, but I'm Jewish Jesus, or Gentile Jesus, or I'm slave, or or I'm man or woman. No, none of that even matters. When you get down to your true self and identity. So we know, we hear this, and, and we think about our identity, but, but what I've learned is our, our biggest problem with our self-image, self-identity, is the negative self-identity. The negative self-image, the, the perception that we have. And sometimes the perception that we have of our present self and our future self are greatly shaped by our image of our past self. 
And we carry that past in with us, and sometimes it hinders us. Now, we all know, because we've read it in the Bible, we know we're loved by God. Okay, We know uh, we've been saved. We know that we're a new creation, born again, sins washed away, white as snow. Uh, our sins have been thrown as far as the east is from the west. We read all of that, yet sometimes we still get bound up and tied up in our past identities. How we see ourselves. We still feel, even though we read all of that, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough because my parents told me I wasn't good enough. Or a teacher told me, or a coaches told me. Perhaps society itself says, well, because you did this and this and this, and you were this kind of person, you're not good enough. Or maybe that past identity of, I can never do enough. And again, that could have come from parents, or it could have come from uh, teachers, or, or, or society, or that can come even a lot from our religious background. As we're pushed and pushed and told, you've got to do more, do more, do more, in order to be a good Christian. And we have these voices in our past, but boy, they sure sound like they're in our present, doesn't it? <laughs> they sound like they're there, and we use this phrase. I got a lot of old tapes playing. You know what I mean by that phrase? Here's the deal, and I don't want to disappoint you. You got old tapes, you can't get rid of your old tapes. They're in your head. And you're going to remember them from time to time. What you got to do is get rid of the tape player. Because here's the deal. And you see this up here, the VCR. <laughs> we got boxes of VCR tapes in storage. We have not seen them in 15 plus years because we don't own a VCR. So we never watch them. We got them. We know what they are because titles are written on them. But we don't watch them. Why? Because we don't have that kind of player. Don't use it anymore. What I want to encourage us to do today when it comes to our self-identity and self-worth, change the tape player in yourself. Because the memories you got but how you play them and choose to play them is up to you. Because see, if you don't change a tape player, it can mess you up. Because somebody can even be telling you how much God loves you, and you still hear, yeah, but I'm not good enough. So a brand new tape is playing, but the old tape player is still playing it the wrong way. You can say, man, you are saved by grace and mercy, but you can say, but I'm not doing enough. The message, the tape is right, but the player is still playing wrong things. So I want to focus on changing the tape player. That's what Paul's trying to get. Where is your identity? Because there will always be someone trying to change it into something different. We've got to listen. Who do I, who do I listen to? What tapes, what kind of tapes do I put into this tape player? And that's what Paul gets at. He starts right off in chapter 1. And I already read that first verse, verse 6. But I'm going to read on and read verses 6 through 10. He says, I'm astonished. I mean, which admit you, I'm blown away that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. They're trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we 
or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, now I'm going to say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one that you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And now am I trying to win approval of human beings or, or of God? Because if I'm trying to please people, well, if I'm still trying to please people, I wouldn't, wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Now Paul then, he goes through the next two chapters giving reasons why his gospel is legitimate. And so we're not going to dig real deep into those chapters and all of those reasons. We're just going to focus on this thing about the different gospel and not following it. Turning to a different gospel. And that's funny about that. The word gospel, we often view that word as meaning doctrine. It's either to be kept accurately or not kept accurately. This is how I was raised. This is, these are my old tapes. Okay, that view of, of doctrine, if, if you kept the doctrine accurately, you're saved. If you were wrong, even just a little, you were, you were lost. And I got to change me, my tape player, on that one. Now, to be honest with you, there is some truth in it, okay? The Word of God is there for a reason. And as Dylan pointed out, God is my friend, but he's, what did you say, big, scary, powerful friend. He's God, okay? And we talked about that in Bible class today, the fear of God. He's not to be trifled with. Well, we can't just simply ignore the Bible, just say, well, just because, well, you know, God loves me, so I don't really have to listen to the Bible. Jesus himself said in John 14, anyone who doesn't love me will not obey my teachings. In 1 John chapter 2, John said, we know that we have come to know him if, we keep his commandments. And whoever says, I know him, but doesn't do what, the com what he commands, is a liar. The truth isn't in him. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. So, you know, we say, oh, okay, we do need to obey, but that's not what he means by the gospel. We need to know him. We need to understand and obey it, but my sense of self-worth, my sense of self-identity does not come from my knowledge or expertise or perfection on what the Bible says. Gospel literally means good news. Good news. Good news is not the doctrine. The good news of the gospel is telling me and telling them who they really are. And who we can be in Jesus. That's the good news. It reestablishes our identity. It reestablishes our self-worth. Our purpose. Our place in this world. And to desert the gospel is to desert the identity God has for us. And that's what we need to understand. He says, you're all children of God. Now, someone was perverting the gospel. That's what he said here, this teaching. Now, the word perverting means literally to twist, not change, but to twist. It's like the gospel's going in this direction, and you hang on to it, but you change it now. Now it's not going here anymore. Now I'm changing its focus. I'm changing its direction. So they're not abandoning Jesus. They're just changing it up some, adding some, taking away Things like that. And Paul asserts, he demands his gospel, his good news. That's all there's going to be. There's not going to be any more. 
He already said, guys, if even I come back, there's not going to be an updated gospel. There's not going to be a new revelation. It's not going to make it more modern. We're not going to make it more palatable. Even if I come back and change it, don't believe me. If an angel from heaven comes back and says, here's something new, here's something in addition, he said, don't believe it. This one is it. Now, some of the world's biggest religions are based on a twisted gospel. We need to love them, we need to respect them, but not accept that twisted gospel as okay or as an option. Paul is very strong on this. Now, most of us, we're, we're okay with that. But if that's true, then it's also true that not even our past should change our gospel. Not even our past self-image should change our good news for us. Not even, I know this is controversial on Mother's Day. I love my mother dearly. But not even our parents' twisted or warped view of us should change our gospel. I love my parents, as I said, but they weren't right on everything. Nobody's right on everything. And you know what? They're not always right on their assessment of us. But we have a hard time telling ourselves that. No world's warped or twisted view should not change our gospel. The world should not give me my identity. The world does not determine my self-worth, my purpose. I get all of this from the gospel, from that good news. And Paul's trying to tell the Galatians, he says, guys, somebody's tricking you into believing something different. Don't listen to it. It's a, it's a twisted gospel. He says in chapter 3, verse 3, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? In chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, he says, You are running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion doesn't come from the one who calls you. They had the gospel. Somebody cut in, bewitched, confused. We've got to all make a decision, and here's where we are today. We've got to all make a decision to get our self-identity, our self-worth from the gospel of Jesus, the pure good news of Christ. Now, for some of us, that's going to make a decision that we've got to change. We've got to change the tape player. Okay? It'd be easier if we could just change all the old tapes. But I told you, you can't do that. They're there. We've got to change the player. Stop being affected by the twisted Gospels and change it. Like for myself, as I shared that twisted Gospel I grew up. Now, in a way, like I said, it wasn't totally different. The facts were there. The, the, the doctrine was there. It was just messed up a little bit. I mean, we believe that whether or not you sang praises to God playing a piano or a guitar or whether you didn't meant you were either saved or lost. We believe that the way you helped the homeless or the orphans or whatever, the way you worked with other churches could affect whether or not you were saved or lost. We believe that uh, whether or not you had a kitchen in the church 
determine whether you're saved or lost. And I guess the most dangerous one was that if you died with unconfessed sin, even if you didn't know you had sinned, you were lost, which bred a lot of insecurity. And, you know, you always do in the prayer, and God, if there's anything I don't even know about, I'm sorry for that too, you know. It's kind of like that. I don't know why I'm apologizing, but I apologize. Like that's sincere, but I had to give all of that up. The religion of my family, of my youth, of my roots. I had to understand, I had to know, I got to change the tape player here. To start listening to what does the real gospel say. Again, like I said, most of the facts and the doctrines were the same. It was how the doctrine was directed, the gospel was directed rather, was different. Some of us today are being affected by a twisted gospel, a twisted self-identity. It's the gospel that says, this is good news, but only for the people who are good enough. This is good news, but only for the people who haven't messed up too bad. This is good news, but it's only for the people who can live up to the standard. All of that is wrong. And that's what Paul's going to be telling the Galatians. He's telling them, God, that's wrong. Don't let anyone mess you up with that twisted gospel. They still had the good news, but there were all this stuff with it. We're going to talk about, in lesson two next week, identity theft. The things that steal our sense of the identity God wants to give us. Lesson number three, we're going to talk about secret identities revealed. What is my secret identity? And then lesson number four, the identity uh, of life without a secret identity. How do I actually live with this new identity? But today... I want to call all of us to decide, to determine in our hearts, I'm going to get my identity from the gospel of the Bible. Not from the gospel of mom and dad. Even though we can love and respect mom and dad, I don't get my identity from the gospel of mom and dad. I will get my identity from the gospel of the Bible, not the gospel of society. It will not tell me, well, this is right, this is wrong, this is who you should be, this is what you should be. I will get my gospel from the gospel of the Bible, not the gospel of my religious past. Probably the hardest one is I will get my identity from the gospel of the Bible, not the gospel that's preached by that little voice in the back of your head. It's always telling you something a little bit different. We want the gospel of God found in his word. And I want to encourage us all, I know your guests, many are guests here today, it's Mother's Day, hey, give us three more weeks as we continue to talk about this journey through, through what Paul tried to teach the church in Galatia. What is your true identity? What is that sense of self-worth? What can it be? What should it be? What does God want it to be? So that we can truly, really identify ourselves. Amen. Thank you.